What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolden. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Bolden, and with me, the always handsome Dr. Craig Spodak. We have a return guest today, fired up because of all the downloads we've received from him. He's a popular guy. Jake, you're a popular guy out there. You must have a lot of influence. But anyway, we've got Jake back from the DEO, the Dentist Entrepreneur Organization, and we're going to talk about the future. We're going to talk about the future of group dentistry. We're going to talk about some trends that Jake's seeing. We're going to talk about some of the risks of expansion, um, you know, maybe how a mastermind can help. Um, and just, you know, we're going to talk in your lane, Jake, about the things that are going on. Also, to bring awareness to the, um, the, the summit, I guess you, are you calling it a summit? Yeah. Uh, the, summit. Yep. summit in June in Phoenix. And the dates are exactly, um, Jake, help me out here, pal. June 27th through 29th. 27th to 29th. Um, be awesome. And give some highlights on that real quick. So we've got, uh, I think you just said Kois was coming? Yeah, so we're going to touch on kind of what's, it's funny because we talk about the future, but I looked at the presentations um, at a high level and actually every single one of them is, is happening now. So the future truly is here now. But uh, we look at this year, we're going to look at the uh, Dr. Kois is going to present an encore presentation. He came on stage two years ago and, and talked about his software evidentia and evidence-based dentistry. Uh -huh. And um, he is incredible in front of I mean, a lot of folks have been there to the center. Um, but he's, his view on group dentistry and what's coming down the pipeline, we're going to – I'll give you the rundown. It's kind of a shameless plug, I guess. Uh, but you are speaking there, Dr. Bolden, so yeah. good for that. Um, on blockchain and dentistry. And yeah, you, we tell a funny story on that. So I'm sitting in the back of the room for Richard Evangelista's um, course. Well, I don't know if it was a course or what, what is the name of that that he does? Uh, dental Force. It's a, I'd say it's a course today. Okay. Course. All right. So Dental Force. Went out to California. So I'm sitting in the back of the room talking to some new friends that I just made, marketing guys actually. And the topic of like blockchain and Bitcoin came up and of course, you know, I just opened my mouth and started talking and people were like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why do you know so much about this? And, you know, I think Jake, you were walking by at the time. You're like, dude, you gotta, you gotta like tell people about this stuff in the future in the context of dentistry. So, um, you know, and I may or may not be right, but, um, but anyway, so you invited me to come speak to, to this, to your group and, um, yeah, I'm fired up. Yeah. Now, Craig is my, Craig is my plus one. So if anyone's listening and <laughs> out with me and Craig, we are going to be hanging out in Phoenix, June 27th, 28th, 29th. Yeah, just, just that's enough for the that time of year. Yeah, it's the, worth the price of admission just right there. I, yeah, I mean, heck yeah, it is. Um, which, which I found out, Dr. Bull, you, since then, that you're one of, I mean, you've got to be the only certified blockchain. Lunatic. <laughs> uh, I don't know, blockchain certification and dental, dentist together in combination. Yeah, I don't know why, like, yeah, I got... <laughs> Craig, did you know that I got certified in blockchain technology? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're, you may be right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I may be the only person who felt the value in doing that for some reason. But um, anyway. Well, you also accept crypt, uh, Bitcoin at your this practice. This is true. I've, I've, and I had someone try and pay with it. Um, but then they changed their mind because um, 
but anyway, but yeah. And that was more of a marketing ploy though, Craig, but thank you for, um, for doing that. Well, it depends on when they wanted to pay you. It could have been really good if they wanted to pay That's you. True. <laughs> you know, That's true. That one crown could be. They uh, tried to pay me last Christmas. It would have been horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Two Christmases ago. Um, it would have been really been bad for me. Yeah. But um, all right, buddy. Well, let's let's jump into some of it. So, you know, Craig and I talk about groups a lot. Um, you know, we talk about it n- not so much in the, in the context of like that's our specialty, but we talk about it in terms of we know that's the future of dentistry. You know, we talk about dentistry being a super fragmented industry, meaning that there's a lack of consolidation and therefore there's a lot of runway for groups to consolidate in dentistry, probably more so than anything else. Craig, didn't we figure out that even it was better than dermatology? When I say better, I mean there's more opportunity. Yeah, as far as runway, I mean, when when you talk about consolidation, most of the other um, healthcare fields, ophthalmology, I'm sorry, optometry, dermatology, uh, veterinary, they're mostly consolidated. Mm -hmm. So dentistry is arguably, I mean, I know statistics are always varying, but always hearing around 15 or 12 to 18%. Would you say that's about fair, Jake, to say about our consolidation? Yeah, I mean, there's different ways to define it, but that's the 15 to 18 and 20 is what typically we hear. Yeah, because so, so yeah. there's most not consolidated. And for the for the sake of the listener, that means that you're working independently and not working for a DSO or a corporation. As right. It's that's what I was going to qualify. Maybe that 11% was a DSO number. Um, and then there's group practices, which obviously, Jake, you have plenty of, of group practices that I guess technically, I guess they would be a DSO. Maybe they are. But you, but you kind of, you, you know, you guys are geared towards helping the group practice grow or anyone who's interested in growing to a group practice or scaling to multiple locations. Yeah, absolutely. We're thinking about that second location. A lot of times um, we can help them get that jump start into that second location up until, you know, 8, 10, 12 locations as well. Um, that's, that's where our group kind of focuses. Um, yeah. So, you know, we talk about trends and kind of like, you know, and what's emerging in the group mark in the, in the space right now. And you're obviously, um, you have your ear to the ground more than we do in terms of kind of the people that you talk to and the masterminds that you're involved with. So what, what are you seeing? Yeah, well, you know, it's, I'm constantly thinking about this. Um, So there's two, there's kind of two areas. There's groups that are growing um, past five or six locations because they're kind of their own animal. And, um, it's really interesting because the the, D, the word DSO, like calling the whole industry DSO industry, in my mind, isn't always accurate, right? Because you have five locations that are just a group that are a group that work together, but you don't have a formal all owned by dentists. You don't have a formal DSO Major, legally right. structured, yeah. And but those are all called DSO, so it's just a little bit weird with the vernacular. Um, but those folks, um, you know, what we're seeing a lot of folks do is they're they're growing, growing, growing up to the point where they have a large. Um, choice to make, which is should they centralize all of their services and make that gigantic investment uh, or strategically partner with a larger DSO that already has all of that. And, you know, some of these groups are running really, uh, you know, detailed financials and uh, making the call that, you know, it might be worth just teaming up with somebody who already has those things. Can I pause you right there? Yeah. This is great. So what have you seen in terms of the groups that try to go to start centralizing? Is there a pecking order of what you should you see doing first, meaning the lowest hanging fruit of, let's say it's an insurance centralization? Mm-hmm. Or I see call center being like the last thing that you would want to centralize. Yeah, people, I think that's a popular idea. 
Pete, that the call center is this yeah. like, because there's That's two I'm bringing it up. Yeah. There's, there's value proposition and then there's valuation. And I think they're two di- very distinct topics. I think that many people are shaping their DSOs as in what does the PE group want right. to see us do? And we all can talk about how PE, whether or not it's good for dentistry, bad for dentistry. And that's a very, that's a tangential conversation. I don't think we're ready to have, but I do believe a lot of the heads of DSOs are saying, what does the PE want us to do? Mm -hmm. PE wants us to have a centralized call center. PE wants us to have that. And I don't necessarily know if it's always best for the, for the practice or for the patient. So let's, let's go down that path if you don't mind. Well, okay. There's a few things with that. Now, if you're talking PE coming in and and partnering up with the dentist directly, then they would build out all these services themselves. But if you are more and more, these groups are, are teaming up with strategic DSOs already built DSOs who already have the call center, who just plugged in call center into your six location DSO. So in that case, a lot of people may think that's wasted money, right? You build out this huge call center, uh, it's costs, your, your, your profits down and you, you get paid on multiple profit and all of a sudden they just get rid of it anyway, or they just plug their own, their own better one in anyway. So, um, so you have that to, uh, to consider. Um, the other thing that I like to think about with this is um, just execution. So I think about, okay, you're at this spot where you think you're starting to think about um, centralizing. And I, it's call center, for example, and I have sat with folks who have centralized their calls. And I have heard them say um, centralizing was the greatest thing I've ever done. I'll, I would I would have done it way earlier. In fact, Dr. Angelisa says that. Um, yep. Um, I have had people say who have waited to their 15th location and it's the very last thing that they centralized and they're so glad that they waited for that. Right. Mm-hmm. I've, um, so it, it goes all across the board. I've seen people centralize their call center and then decide that calls are actually better to be answered in the office. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's all, so it's all over the board. So I think to myself, okay, if, uh, what, what, where do we go since everyone's doing it differently and seem to be working? And to me, it comes down to decision-making, like strategic decision-making. Like how do you make the decision? To me, it's more important to know how to make a decision rather than what decision is. And to me, it's about, there's two, there's two ways to look at decision. One, is there a cost savings opportunity there? Mm-hmm. Um, so so if, am I able to make more money by doing it? Does it make things better? Or do I have a huge problem that needs to be fixed? So it's either like fixing a problem or, or chasing opportunity. That makes sense. Okay. So, so, so I would look at those and I would measure those and like, okay, what is, do I, do I, and, it's, and also another thing I like to think about is like, there's, there's the nuts and the bolts, which is like the running the financials of it. But how do you measure that if you don't have the context in which to measure, right? Like you can't just say, hum, let's just try this and then compare and contrast, like which one worked better for us. Well, you could, you can. You, so yeah, that's, a, that's, that's an expensive of- experiment. I think most of us would just rather be like, hey, like you were successful what's your, here's your roadmap yeah. kind of emulate that. Right. I'm not going to recreate the real, like, just, just show me the path to efficiency, profitability and scalability. And let me exit if that's my, if that's what I'm yes. trying to do. And so I, I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get out of you is yes, I know there's a key for everybody, right? Like there's probably <laughs> a formula that works and it's going to be different than doctor down the street. And, but like, if you had a magic wand in your hand, Jay, what, which, what would be the path, your path that you've seen being like, yeah, those guys nailed it and those guys nailed it and those guys, and the commonalities of the centralization pathway? Yeah. Okay. I will, I will, I will go down that road, but I will say, right. <laughs> I will say this, this you is have to be about. Switzerland on that. You have to be non-biased. Well, this, this is what, this is like, if I were to scream at the mountaintops to the industry in general, it's like, I, I just want everyone to, to kind of, I firmly believe it's about how you, how you make the decisions because they truly are different and making quality decisions rather than like 
the blueprint of it because it truly is different. But I'll give you an example. Um, well, two principles. One is, yeah, to test it out is actually a great, a great execution principle. Like if you got something big, a big risk you're taking or something, it is way better to test it out in a little spot and see how it goes, right? Um, secondly is you, you can run real financials. You can say, okay, I got these people. If I were to reduce my call volume and then I not only don't need to hire as many front desk people and that saves you here and here's the, you know, I'd make up my investment in a year and a half and I'd get them all. I mean, there's, there's financial people out there that will run. Okay. Like a, like a Monte Carlo scenario, you know? Yeah. There's yeah, people okay. that, that are, that you pay to do that and they yeah. pop off the number and you're like, thanks. They just saved me $150,000, you know? Um, those would be like fractional CFOs and things like that. Um, okay. so if I were running, um, a DSO, I, I mean, I, I, I would test it first. I would test it on location, see kind of how it goes. Um, but I would, for sure, like the, the, the principle behind centralizing is sound, right? You take all the minutia out of the, out of the location, you bring it in one spot. You, you now have economies like, of scale. I mean, that's, I mean, look, I, I, I get that. I just think that like, I guess where I'm trying to lean into you a little bit on this, Jake, is that Craig and I see like, it's just this blanket, like centralization and, and the disregard for the, any culture or whatever you've done. And, and, you know, it's not a one size fits all centralization. Well, well DSOs, just to your point, Jake, I was happy you said it. You said people talk about DSOs as a one size fits all thing. Um, you, you had said that just a moment ago, like we, we tend to cut and paint and broad brushstrokes when we're talking about this segment, corporate dentistry, like we're all corporate. We all have some S core or, or LLC, even if it's just one doctor and one chair, there's a corporation behind it. So I think there's, and up to this point, I do believe, you know, Pete and I always talk about DSO 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, that type of dialogue is common in our podcast. And I do believe up to this point, the, the, there is not as much variation in the DSO space as there will be. Um, so when you look at most DSOs, it, I think that many of them, you know, like any other mass produced model, you have to roll out a platform that's reproducible. So whether or not you're rolling out a Ritz-Carlton platform or a Chick-fil-A platform, there needs to be a platform. But the dialogue does not go into the nuances of the different types of dental business models that, that are out there because they're varied. There are Ritz-Carlton dentists and there are Chick-fil-A dentists. And I'm not making a value or judgment call on the Chick-fil-A guy or the rich guy because who cares? I mean, it could suit your needs. Whatever your vision of their practice is, is what's going to be best for you and your patients. But when you talk about a call center, as, a, as, a, as an example of a platform that a DSO is typically going to roll out, it can work really nicely if there's dock in a box type of DSO and there's a con there's a lot of there's a lower culture to that DS that particular office, or it could really backfire if you have a really high culture, high touch, high feel when you're speaking to Tim in Thailand and you're like, where's Jenny? Uh, and they don't know who Jenny is. So so I just think that the conversation needs to go down to another level that there's DSO 1.0 or 2.0, what we have now, but I do believe there's a more, um, you know, was it the D, was, what was that video that you sent me, Pete? Was it from the DEO about that guy no. talking DSO 2.0? Do you remember that video that we watched together? Yes, it was, uh, I don't remember. Actually. So there's some video talking about, it was funny because we're always talking about DSO 2.0, but they talk about this idea of a, of a larger role of culture within the dental office. Because I think most of us that can agree, the average, you know, smaller practice might have more touch and feel or 
perhaps culture than than some of the larger platforms. So call centers may or may not work as as well depending on the actual dental business that you're running into. That's exactly right. Right. I mean, you have to look at where you're going strategically. What is your what is your model? Are you um, volume and and less high touch? Then centralizing makes tons of sense, right? Yeah. If you're high touch and you're going to have some calls botched and it's going to really hurt long term high paying patients maybe not do that right so so I, it's almost like top down versus bottom up like top down is like okay all the large dsos tell us what works and then bottom up it's like okay how do we build businesses great mm-hmm. businesses and how do we be great entrepreneurs like that that's and there is there is if you look from you know two locations to 10 locations 12 locations um those kind of groups there's tons of variation everyone that's why i can't nail one way because i see it done so many ways that's there's right. just no way yeah, I think that's really fair, and also smart to not talk up, not not to go, talk into that space because it's like if you go to a restaurant convention, there's there's not restaurant conventions where you're sitting next door to there's a guy from Morton sitting right next to a guy from Popeye's Chicken and and McDonald's. They, you know, I think it's just interesting that in dentistry we talk about it as one model. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the patient. Think about the, the diversity in patients. I mean, there are patients who need lower cost, higher volume. It's all they can afford, and they're totally happy with it. There's so many different sections of patients and then your business is serving that type of patient. And also that same patient wants different things for different types of services. So a high-end, really high-touch patient may pop into the local Walmart that has a CEREC machine in the future, you know, if there's a dental unit in a, a dental store in a, in a Walmart that could say, you know what, I haven't been able to make it into my normal dentist and it's 9 PM on a Friday and this tooth is broken. I'm going to go to the, the pop-up Walmart thing or the, you know, I mean, it's just, there's different patients at different times will act differently. That's exactly right. And I think it's fair to say that it's, it's not like we're going after certain patients. It's just, we're going after certain services and so, sometimes convenience and access are more important than high touch and, and high cost and luxury feel. We all stay in we all stay in nice hotels, but sometimes we want to stay in a in a Hyatt place. Sometimes you know, it just depends on what when? you want. <laughs> I've never desired to. You know what? I'm going to slum it this time. Well, listen, if you you can afford it, I mean. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Greg's like, hmm, that this bust. No, I, I just think I that to, we, we the whole podcast can't go past without me me busting on him. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that was my opportunity. And, and and I also and I also feel that doctors are in a frenetic um, search to find out what is the best dental business model, without regard of what they want from a personal fulfillment or economic you know, fulfillment, they just say, what is the best thing? So yes. I'll ask a guy like you, Jake, or I'll ask Pete or me, like, what's the best thing I should do? I'm like, yeah. well, it just depends on, you know, right. I've, I've talked Someone to guys. Someone narrative say, sometimes, right? Like yeah, it's like, they said, oh, I want to do what you and Pete do. Yeah. They'll, they'll, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love that you're touching on that because, um, so that's like a, I look at everything from a business kind of aspect and not like, you know, making money business, but business principles. And so you're looking, when you're doing that, you're looking at, you're, you're making your own decisions based off your competition, the outside, but right. You're like outside factors, um, like externally validating what you're doing. And there's a whole other way to look at, which is from the inside, which is just build a great business, build an incredible business that retains your employees. That has awesome, you know, reviews and scores for patients and you will be fine. You will always be fine. Um, it, it's just, you make different decisions when you're kind of, it's actually coming from a place of fear when you're looking yeah, at the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I'm just out there saying, Hey, just build great businesses guys. And, and you will add locations and you'll build groups and you'll be great. And you want, you know, it'll be hard, but you'll be fine at the end. 
I love that distinction outside too. versus inside. It's exactly what I've been, what I was trying to say. It's, it's beautiful. It's perfect. Yeah. So exactly. like just focus on, you know, doing epic shit and like within your own thing and don't, and everything else will handle itself regardless of the competition that we have this pervasive fear in dentistry of like, Oh my gosh, groups are everywhere and they're popping up and I'm going to be out of business. Like that's not the case. It's not. And, and I, I will add to now I'm not going to, so this is a natural human thing that to go through as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. why I think entrepreneurship is just very, very difficult because, you know, you have those sleepless nights, you know, and it's like, wow, what's, what am I going to do with, with all this? And so um, that's, of course, when I talk to my wife and, um, and you know, just rant an event and uh, cry myself asleep with her. And because uh, I worry about stuff, too. We all do. Right. And um, she tells me, and this is what I, what I lean on myself personally, is there's a, there's a saying, um, I think I didn't tell you before, somebody says, which is, be so good they can't ignore you. Mm -hmm. Right. So whenever I start to focus externally, I just bring it back and say, okay, I'm just gotta be, I'm gonna, I gotta be so good in all of the rest of it. And I, now I forget about the external stuff. Yeah, I'm letting that soak in because I think it's, um, that's a lot of pressure, man, to even tell yourself, like, just be so good. Like, you know, because that's a strategy and, and it's hard to implement the tactics that, that make that a reality, you know? It, it is. It, it can be more empowering, though, because you wake up tomorrow, like, okay, cool. Like, how do we make a better patient experience? Well, I can do that. You know, I don't have to figure out, like, you know, $500,000 centralization. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's like Tony Robbins says, and Greg, Greg's brought this up on several, like, really, there's only two aspects to business. And, you know, we are in the business of teeth. You know, so at the end of the day, and if you're constantly thinking about innovation, and that doesn't mean like your product innovation, it can mean like, are you obsessed with your customer service and your customer experience and your, your team, your team and how they answer the phone, like down to the nitty gritty, like you can't help, but if you, if, you know, if those things become obsessed and you are constantly innovating and auditing the way you're doing, you're going to win. You, you just will, right? Because because that awareness creates just opportunities out the yin yang, I think. And I also, I just want to touch on one thing as well, guys. There's a lot of conversation as dentist, as entrepreneur, dentist, as CEO. And I think that's a really cool narrative for some of us, but it's not one size fits all as well. I've had so many conversations where people are like, you know, you've got a business and you make money when you're not there and that type of dialogue. And I'm like, well, what, tell me a little bit about yours. Like share me, your, share your numbers, you know, with me. He's like, well, I see patients three days a week and I make 550. I'm like, dude, you got a job, but you've got a job like LeBron has a job. You know, LeBron <laughs> is not going to business. LeBron has to show up on the court, but he gets paid really well for each hour he's on the court and there's nothing wrong I don't think you have to be fearful at all if you're just a single doc or just just a doc that, that has a but practice. that's an outlier, Craig. I mean, that's an outlier. Like, right, but, but they need to have their path too. So if you're that guy that uh, maybe not 500 on three days a week, he's an outlier because he's a super GP and he's invested in, his, in himself. But if you are a solo doc feeling like, what the hell do I do? Do I become an entrepreneur? Entrepreneurship is not for everyone. And that, that struggle porn that Gary Vee is pumping out, you know, like, oh, the hustle never stops and shows him. I mean, I love Gary Vee. You know, I, I do. And we're, we probably all take a lot from him. But there is this like, you know, this, this idea of the struggle and how glorious the struggle is. And I just believe there is space and room in our model to just be a dentist if you so choose. And you can actually win at just being a dentist because you can out customer serve any competition, anyone. I mean, if you just call all your new patients the day before you see them to confirm like, Hey, it's Dr. Jones. I'm excited about meeting you tomorrow. And Hey, this is Dr. Jones. I hope the shot, I hope you're feeling good. You've already outserved almost all of us that are talking right now. So 
I just think that there's space, you know, obviously there's a listener that's trying to work the angle and become an entrepreneur and do what Jake, Pete and I are doing. Um, but there's also room for the other guy, you know, even within an organization like the DEO or our podcast to learn to say, just be the best that you could be. And you don't have to take over the world. You'll learn if you learn what the DSOs are doing, you can actually beat them at their own ground game if you don't do it. So I just think it's good to open up to, to everybody that's on this, that there's nothing wrong with just being a dentist, just being uh, a dentist. You know? I would, I've seen this. I mean, I've seen it many times. It, you know, you really have to just check yourself and say, you know, do I really, because if you make that step from going from a doctor to a CEO, you will take a pay cut and you're stressed oh, yeah. way yeah. up and say goodbye to ever like a, a, a dinner with your family where you don't have part of your brain thinking about. Right some problems and issues there is the truth um, it's so it's, important that you're saying this jay keep going so well yeah no so i mean it's I, we've had people come in the deo and then after a year they're like you know what awesome i'm glad i know now but not for me i've got a great life and a great family and what's the point of all this anyway you know it's to have a great life and a great family like that's why you build a business and challenge yourself so uh yeah but, but they have to sometimes people have to go out and venture in you know like a 18 year old becoming a, a, a man or a woman you got to venture in the world and get the cuts and bruises and see what it's like. Yeah, it's such a good, such a valid point. And, and um, if you have that burning curiosity and you have what it's going to be like, sometimes you're making you me question go, everything right now, Jake. <laughs> In my life. I mean, I, I think, and I think it's a, it's a Western, it's a Western disease. It's a disease in America more, more often, more often than other parts of the world. I know we have a global listenership, but I think in, in many parts of Europe, there's not the access to capital. Like any dentist can borrow millions of dollars. No problem. Mm -hmm. you, anyone listening that has a, a DDS or a DMD can go to any bank right now and borrow millions of dollars, which is kind of cool, but it's also pretty scary because we can get ourselves in hot water pretty easily. You know, mm -hmm. they're not worried about us because we can just work harder and pay it all off. So uh, I think in Europe and other places that the access to capital is not the same. So the hunger for growth is not left on um, unchecked. Yeah. So in it, Europe, it, you know, even in Australia, perhaps it might be. Well, I can tell you they, uh, so I was telling you guys, my wife's Australian. I spent, I spent some time in Australia and they think we're uh, lunatics over here in the U S for our, like the achievement culture. Uh, they're like, why, you know, it's, it's about they, the saying they say over there, it's about living a good life. That's all it's about. And, um, and they just don't understand why we're like, you know, getting up way early and staying way late and like why you know but then again they have you know beaches 100 yards from their homes and so i'm like oh you yeah got, like we're trying to get to that you guys already have that right, right. <laughs> so um so jake let's 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 pivot because i want to cover up on on some more things and i want to talk about um you know the the value of the mastermind that you that you guys have um and i think it that masterminds are important, whether no matter where you are in your life cycle of a dentist, I think you need people to bounce off of, you know, that's actually how Craig and I kind of got to talking is, is, you know, I wanted someone to, to just authentically talk with and someone who wanted to, you know, me to succeed and be able to share and give ideas and vice versa. Um, so how, how big of an impact is that on your members? Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I think, so we're talking about growth and everything that we do is revolve around growth. Typically when it comes to wants, wants to grow in some way. Um, and so the way I look at it is you need to, to grow in that next stage, you mm -hmm. literally need to become a different person. And you can think about, I would imagine as a dentist when you first started versus who you are now professionally, it's like you're just a whole different, you think differently, you react differently, you, your, your 
hands move differently. And so you need to be that like next version of yourself. So that in the development world, that's called like transformation. You need to tra really transform butterfly, you know, caterpillar butterfly. So how do you transform? There's many ways to do that. Um, you can do coaching, you can do you know, um, like therapy, you know, I mean, you can do usually education where you just kind of sit and listen is right. always the best um, way for transformation. It's just information. Um, and to me, all those things work, but to me, the way I've experienced the most trans transformation is by putting myself around amazing people. And I just, I start to think differently, level up and just see the world differently. And, and I've just had a lot of, a lot of the good things that have come to me from that. And so I'm just, I just believe with every ounce of me that putting yourself in these environments is crucial. And, um, and that's what we do. We try to put amazing people together. We take them through you know, curriculums and subjects and all the stuff they need to know about adding locations and growing a DSO and all that. But we do it with the lens of, of masterminding and that the other thing that I touched on is that there's no right way to do it. So there's a lot of mm -hmm. educational programs out there that say, hey, here's how we did it. Here's how you should do it. Here's how you should compensate your, your associates. Here's how you should centralize your call center. But I just, I just don't believe there's one way to do it. And so, I, I think I think the masterminds. The reason I bring this up, I think they're the most powerful yeah. and efficient learning there is. Exactly, um, because le on like one on one learning, you know, in a in a forum where everybody feels safe to communicate. It's a tribe. It's a brand, band of brothers and sisters. Yeah. It's people like it's not this zero sum game where people, are, you know, dentists have a real problem with like, well, if you succeed, that means I had to do I have to do worse, and like, you know, especially locally, that you know, somewhat sometimes that happens locally, like you know. They, they're kind of not really wanting success sometimes you see, right? It's kind of like the crab pot they talk about. But masterminds are great because, you know, people aren't, they're, they're abundantly thinking for you. There's not this like competitive nature. And there's just, there's just genuine like, literally just trying to prevent value, right? And you're trying to do the same thing back. And so I, in my experience as a clinician and, and a business owner, that, that's been my most powerful has been smaller groups, let's say, 10 to 20 to 30 people that you can authentically share with and they lean into kind of like helping you problem solve or strategize or, or develop tactics. Yeah. I've, I've done a, I've done a lot of uh, analyzing the psyche of the dentist. Um, so I you know, try to figure out how I can help everyone the most. And um, I've noticed that it's twofold. One is there's a positive and a negative to the psyche. One is a lot of times looking for the, the blueprint and the answer. And I think that must come from dental school and just the nature of, of dentistry, right? I mean, um, it's very process oriented dentistry. It's very stepwise process. It's a yeah. recipe. Yeah, dentistry is a recipe. Like the beginning, middle and end and being able to just It's like a flying a plane. Like there's a checklist and we know that there's that. So we become yeah. engineers following checklists as yeah. opposed to like, Hey, let me just like look in this direction. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sorry. Right. So, so that's one. Um, but equally amazing is that, Generally, the ones that we come across are that typically we, we attract growth minded folks who are abundant mindset and um, they're just so willing to help. I mean, if you go to our conferences, people on stage are just they're just sharing and sharing. And I'm always wondering, like, what's in it for them? And again, am I, you know, having coffee, staring at the clouds kind of thing? I'm like, I just think dentistry attracts givers and, and people want to give back. And I think that lends itself to an industry that just has a lot of people trying to help each other oh, really kind of unselfishly. And it's amazing. Yeah, I think that's what's kept us um, away from the managed care and what's happened to medicine is that we do have a lot of entrepreneurial thinkers that want to give back. I mean, every, I mean, the most iconic lecturers in dentistry are extreme givers. It's incredible. Yeah, so, it's amazing. Yeah. So that's, it's great. And um, I, I drew, I, as a business, coming from the business side, I do feel honored to be in that environment. Sometimes during our conferences, I just, I can't believe it. I can't believe how 
much people are out there helping each other. It's, it's, it's incredible. Finally, the Bulletproof Practice Book is out on Amazon. Craig and I have distilled down our experiences in dentistry over the past 20 years in our true-to-form, unfiltered fashion that y'all have come to expect from our podcast. We talk about our victories and our bruises, and it's 132 pages of vision, leadership, marketing, and even just life as a dentist, and it's meant to entertain you. So we hope you'll support us and grab a copy on Amazon today. Thanks, friends. Yeah. I think the other thing too, is that in most non, you know, most traditional lecture formats without the mastermind, oftentimes, at least historically, the person speaking was not a dentist. And I think that's in the psychology of many dentists, it's changed a lot that people want to hear from dentists that are actually doing it. And um, now with social media and Google reviews and everybody can see each other's offices. It used, I remember like listening to social media conversations five and seven years ago and look at the dentist on my own Instagram be like, or his Facebook page. He had no followers, no likes. I'm like, how am I listening to this guy that has this? Or how do you talk to a guy about iconic uh, office culture, iconic practice when he has a 2.2 on Yelp? So there is a meritocracy of the, you know, and a democratization of the information. So you can't hide mm-hmm. behind a website anymore if you actually don't have the chops to be talking about what you're doing, you're going to get less credible. There's eyes on screens as you're talking, like, who is this guy? Is he the real deal? So there's been a weeding out of that, um, which is actually a good thing. And uh, now with podcasts like this and all the stuff that people are doing, information is free now. So historically you might've had to pay a lot of money for this conversation for the three of us. You might've fly somewhere. Now you're, we're just getting it all pro bono. So it's a, it's a, it's a great world time to be a dentist and have that access to that information in many different platforms. Totally agree. Well, buddy, you want to talk about, uh, anything I, else? I, I like, I like what we've, what we've I, I, I have one question for him, if you don't mind, Please. I want to, I want to talk about Jake, what are the risks, risks associated with group dentistry and DSO expansion? I just want to know what, what your belief is. Like what's the, What's the blind side that no one's thinking about? Uh, well, again, I'll, I'll speak from two angles. I mean, you're not talking about the risk of somebody going from a solo location to a group. You're talking about the, just the overall. And so the thing that I don't think people talk about is that, that those multiples might not always be there. So we, yeah. there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of groups that have five, six locations. And I'm like, you know, I could never sell because I could never work from somebody else. I could never, yep. you know, I love doing the thing. But what if the multiple is three? in four years, you know, and it's like, you know, the market's high right now. So I think people are starting to take the, their chips off the table a little bit because it's, it just in the fervor, people aren't talking about that. Like multiple multiples might not always be the time. In fact, one last thing. Um, I, no, I like this, I like this. Keep, I want you to keep yeah. explaining that. Yeah. yeah, yeah so um, there's a really cool man. Okay. I always go on podcasts and make commitments for my team to create stuff and send them off to you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm Curious to do that, but we had a we had a speaker in um, in a fall summit, which was in Dallas, which was should I buy, sell, or partner? And it was for dentists or groups who were interested in all about should I just build my own group, should I partner with a large group, should I sell out? And one of the speakers, uh, he's a, a Wall Street guy, and he worked in the medical industry. And now he works for um, MB2 Dental in, in Texas. Which mm-hmm. is, he, he does all the valuations, he's a numbers kind of Wall Street numbers spreadsheet guy. And he came from medical, and he basically got on stage and said, you know look, when I was in medical and medical's consolidated and when it's done, it's done. Like when the consolidation happens, it's done. It, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a finite period of time. Mm. Uh, 
to where it reaches a threshold. And that opportunity only lasts in that time. The cement kind of dries. And so that's what he said that enough people don't really understand. Now, we're probably far from that, only being 18 or 18 to 20% of Maybe, though, Jake. That's what people call the runway. What if the acceleration, though, right, of this happens? So, like, your timeline could be contracted because of, you know, things have a tendency in the beginning stage, right, the adoption phase, things move slowly, and that graph kind of moves along, right? But if you get this massive adoption, if it hockey sticks, and all of a sudden what we thought was this 10-year or 5-year runway becomes a 3-year runway, your cement just hardened much faster. Right. And so these are the things, and this is not to be like, holy shit, and freak people out, but, like, like play the what if scenario, like, you know, and just like you said, some people are, are thinking about this and they're pulling some chips off the table because ultimately this is our biggest asset. It's my biggest asset is my practice. Craig, it's you're surely your biggest asset, you know, our, our buildings and practice. Um, and, then, and, and then again, I mean, you also could uh, just say, you know what, I'm in it for the next 10 to 15 years and let them, it's like owning a house, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to weather the fluctuations yep. and just build a great business and I'll, you know, I'll deal with it 15 years from now. But those are questions, good questions to ask ourselves. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And do it for the right reasons. Not, you know, I think fear is a wrong motivator when it comes to something like that. If you're fearful of that, you know, like go back to what we were talking about in the beginning, like be, you know, take that fear and become obsessed with, just beating everyone's ass who's, you know, coming in your area, right? Like obsessed with creating a better experience, better dentistry, better branding, better, 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 you know, and that will buy you more runway for sure. You know, if that's your fear-based thing, but you know um, yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. I, I never heard that analogy that the cement is going to dry and then there's no more just like medicine. Like no one's making money on, you know, there's no this roll-up. You don't hear about medical roll-ups anymore well, because the cement's Durham, dry. Derm is huge. I was speaking with a private equity guy that happened to be my patient yesterday and just talking about the numbers in Derm. Holy smokes. Yeah, Derm and dentistry are, are uh, equally yoked. Equally I meant to, um, that's something else I meant to, another story I meant to tell you real quick is, uh, so so there's a guy that, that we knew that I knew that was in um, audiology, um, you know, business in, in that sector. And so he exited from that and, and um, he, in his business, he wanted to know what to go into next. And so we hired, this is probably a few years ago, uh, you know, BCG or one of these big consulting groups, like Bolson Consulting or something to do an analysis on like, okay, what industry do we go in next with our little thing that we have? Oh, wow. So they were and, totally agnostic with like, yeah. here, let's just pick one. Let's just go with the best lowest hanging or the lowest hanging fruit. Exactly. And these big okay. consultancies in New York and Boston, that's what they do, right? And they spend like six months or a year and they do all this crazy research and they'll tell you. And um, so they did 25 verticals, all the ones that you mentioned, Craig, you know, Derm, that um, all, of, all of the kind of practitioner style businesses. And where do you think they entered? They entered dentistry. It, was, it came as number one. Out of the no time. way. Yeah. Yeah. And this was, this is three, this is four years ago, three, four years ago, but something that's still relevant, but that just told me like, wow, it is. Wow. I mean, you got the wall street folks. I just picture they're in their suits and they're just looking at numbers and spreadsheets and they're at lunch, you know, and they're like, Hey, check that's go clobber dentistry. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> the, the returns are insane you know, or whatever. Um, and so that just tells you why, you know, why this is kind of happening and really the opportunity that is available for people. But it feeds itself though too. So when Wall Street has its attention, it shapes dentistry. So people are shaping to do what Wall Street wants and it should be driven by dentistry versus by Wall Street because Wall Street may not be as aware of what's coming. And uh, Pete and I um, have really good ideas about what we think is coming because let's face it, we could all benefit from 
the infrastructure of a DSL, whether that's procurement services and all this other stuff. But right now, for the most part, masterminds, best practices, technology, you know, there's just so many different things that that a, a true DSO can offer. But the current DSO landscape is a little bit one size fits all. And if you have a Chick-fil-A, they're going to want you to behave like a Morton's. Or if you have a Morton's, they're going to want you to behave like a, like a, like a Starbucks. It's a little bit too one size fits all. I, I, will, I will tell you. So in the past, I would say 18 months, um, I feel very, op- and I'm, again, I, I, I'm not a dentist, so I, I don't have that same kind of, come from that same spot. And I, so I understand kind of what you're saying. I feel very optimistic about where a lot of the larger groups are coming from. They are learning it's dentistry driven because they've banged their head against the wall for the past 10 years and not had like had a lot of major meltdowns and fires with it being that way. Craig, as you described, kind of the Wall Street driven. And the, the narrative in, that I see out there now is total dentist driven. Like yeah, it's, it's cool. the only way it's going to go. I mean, you'll hear a ton of that at our event in June in, in Phoenix, but, um, yeah, I think I think the lessons have been learned there. I don't, and I think maybe dentistry more so than other than other in, verticals and industries. It just seems particularly um, sensitive on the on the associate dentist side. Like they gotta be the ones that drive the car. Is, is my takeaway? Yeah. Yep. It's it's so true. It's so true. I think that you could get away with a lot more. Um, I say get away with it, but you know, making it a little bit more unilateral towards the Wall Street and DSO side, and, and neglect the dentist. Um, in the past, I think that there, there has to be a better way that, that allows the dentist to, you know, helps the whole, helps everybody at the same time. That is, I will just tell you, you know, like in, in the smaller groups and at, at the, these events where the larger groups hang out, that is all the talk is, is how do we empower our dentists? How do we get them? That's why, uh, so, so one of the presentations, one of the, the panels we're having is called, is the, um, is the, uh, we call it, it's about associate ownership and oh, is the employee dentist model dead? Is what we're, you know, we're going to talk about because what um, what the larger groups are realizing is a lot of like dentists need to be part owners in the businesses and to give them a real estate and that and that leads to better business, better dentistry, better pay, you know patient care. So that even is trending out the door is employee kind of you know that's cool dentist. So anyway, I feel optimistic. I know that probably doesn't make anyone feel better uh, me not being dentist, but um, I feel very good about the narrative that's developing amongst the, the bigger groups. Yeah, that's, that's uh, refreshing for you to say that. That's cool. That is cool. That is cool. Um, I'm, I'm looking at your your uh, landing page for your event in, in June. Um, and Richard Evangelista is going to be there. We actually had him on the podcast um, recently, and that was largely downloaded because of the uh, – I think the title just kind of blew people away, like 44 locations by himself. No yeah. PE, no – you know, like what, you know, I remember when I heard that and I was like, I gotta go meet this guy. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of looking at that. It's pretty, pretty cool. You got a, a cool lineup for sure. And I'm excited, uh, excited to be there. Craig, I know this will be your first, first, uh, exposure to the group, but be cool. Yeah. I'm excited cool. about it as well. Well, other than, other than exposure to Jake, of course. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's, it's, it's safe. I mean, we, we so another, um, uh, Margaret McGookin, who is the former CEO of clear choice and, uh, she actually handled most of their AR, HR as well. But she is, you know, there's so many people under undercover that are just incredible. And so she's going to huh. talk about, she's one of those. And, um, I mean, people come away from conversations with her with like white face, like I will never be the same after that. <laughs> I mean, really like it's crazy. So, uh, so she'll be talking about top line revenue growth, um, teledentistry, 
Um, oh, and, and that one last really cool thing is, so Pacific Dental Services is working on, um, they're trying to change the way that payments happen. And we, I think we talked about this a little bit, uh, Pete, but um, dental payments and the way that whole, they're, they're, they're coming out with a, a product um, that I think everyone needs to know about, about um, how to make it much easier, less friction. And then dental medical integration, which we talked about hot, hot topic, but doctor- hey, They're uh, coming out with their own method of payments. Let's go back to potentially, that. Potentially, potentially. I mean, you got, we have to come and check it out. They're, they're gonna kind of- They're coming out with their own cryptocurrency, Pacific no, Health. Maybe, oh, maybe. Yeah, is that what we're taking away here? <laughs> Ways to reduce the friction. If you think about the way, and so there's no, I mean, I could just going on, but, um, the way payments go with dental is not, it's not, you know, ideal, right? Like chasing down, um, it's a hard for patients. There's a lot of friction involved. Yeah. Um, if you were to map it out now, you probably map it out differently. And mm -hmm. they're, they're tackling that, you know, and, and that's their FinTech thing they're talking about. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, mm. uh, Dr. Biramian who has a group in uh, Arizona, she is, she is integrated with that with medical so she has mm -hmm. integrated uh, practice um they're working on a few practices it's happening and so she's got an incredible story she just talked about how they're doing it what they're doing um you know medical and dental in one location which i think Dr. bolden you talked about yeah i did that way back in the day uh, probably before it's time and i was telling you before we hit record that i i loved it it was just early and i think it was um I didn't think we executed very well on the proposition because it was literally like a first, first adopter into that and thing. But it, it really the whole genesis of it was coming from I went through Bale Donin uh, certification, which is a cardiology uh, certification thing that's kind of geared towards some dentist and the oral, uh, you know, systemic connection oral oral systemic connection. So I went really deep down that rabbit hole and I said, you know, a lot of this data that we get, it's it really needs to have a physician to implement some. And there's a synergy of solving problems with the correlation between, you know, mouth inflammation and let's say, for example, diabetes and HbA1c's levels. Like there's huge corollaries that happen. And without having someone directly on your team, it's really hard to kind of um, quarterback with some local physicians. They're just very resistant to dentists, you know, having those conversations, unfortunately. So like, they, uh, you know, I think them two years to figure out how to have those conversations and they, mm. they they have them now and it's so far they're they're it, it's it's working too. i have a i have a hygienist actually who spends more time talking to doctors than i've ever i mean physicians than i've ever seen that more so than any of my doctors like tenfold because she's on the front lines of you know getting the dna health reports uh or the oral dna um you know like just velsco all sorts of stuff so she's constantly talking to these physicians about it and she's had better results, but I'm glad to hear that, that Dr. Uh, Bayramian, yep. is that her name? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to see that that's happening because, you know, I did not, I did not implement it um, successfully. So I'm glad that it's happening because it's going to better, it's going to better healthcare in general. And, you know, I'm a big 100%. fan of just longevity and, and, and uh, wellness. So yeah. it's cool. Um, so we'll just, wow. yeah, just, uh, we'll invite anyone from around. I think last year we did a, a, a coupon called Bulletproof. So we can get you this. Oh, year. we did. We give it. We get some money off of it. <laughs> yeah, I think a hundred bucks or so. Um, nice. Bulletproof folks there. So. All right. Um, so we're gonna make another code bulletproof. Yeah, we'll make a code bulletproof. Um, cool. And yeah, we'd love to see it. if you're. You know, there are folks that have one location there for sure. If you're thinking about that second location or have multiple locations, um, the number one feedback we get is just the, the energy and vibe. We've got uh -huh. a bunch of people who are ex basically excited about the future. That's what it is. It's 
it's rather excited about the future of dentistry, regardless of where you are. Rather, yeah. rather than I love it. I love it. And more cool and like right. trying to keep things the same. It's like, okay, how can we evolve and, and make things better? I love it. I love it. Well, we'll be there. Won't we, buddy? Right. Yes, sir. Okay. Great conversation. Love it, guys. Thanks for being a part tour. All right. Uh, it's an honor. I think it's yeah, an honor. Yes, it's, a select, it's a select and chosen <laughs> Yeah, Jake, that was a lot of value for our listeners. And for me personally, I appreciate your time and perspective. It's very cool. I'm excited to be there. Appreciate it. Can't wait to see you guys. Yeah, we'll have some fun. All right, pal. Until next time, until we see you in person, um, thanks for for listening in to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Over and out. See you guys. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. If you got any value or insight from today's episode, it massively helps us create awareness if you would take five seconds and leave us a review in iTunes. Also, stay in touch with our updates and such by just texting the word Bulletproof, all one word, to 345-345. We promise not to bombard you with spam texts or anything, but it will help update you on special opportunities for our listeners as well as even info on the upcoming Bulletproof Summit 2019. Again, that's the word Bulletproof to 345-345. Thanks so much, y'all. Have a great day.